Hello and welcome back to Palpable Discord, the Chelsea podcast. I'm your host, Jack Rathbourne. I'm joined as always by Will Dubay and Grant James. We'll be talking today about a massive win for Chelsea at the weekend over Sheffield United. Positions them nicely in a, um, a pretty top-heavy Premier League right now. Lots of um, teams competing for that top spot and it's changing all the time. Chelsea not quite there yet, but closing in and the goal difference is now, um, is now pretty big. Um, it's, it's looking good for, for Frank Lampard after a, a sticky spell about a month ago. Obviously conceded first up against Sheffield United and then stormed back. And last season, it, it appeared to me that that might be a game that would have slipped Chelsea by. Throw it to you. First of all, Will, um, the response to conceding was emphatic. And do you think that's something different this, team, this season about this team? Definitely. I, I think last season, there's a, there's a good chance we, we wouldn't have come back and, and won that game. I think that there's a decent chance we may have overcommitted and, and without the, the balance that we've sort of seen implemented in the last few games that um, we may have been caught out pushing for that equaliser or winning goal like we did on so many times, uh, so many occasions last season. Yeah, I, th- I thought the response was was brilliant. I think in large part that's that's due to obviously the the personnel coming in, um, giving us a lot more stability at the back, not getting caught out um, as much. I think that's credit to Lampard for setting up the team in a more balanced way, but also we've also got kind of individual players that are contributing to the organisation of the team at the back end of the pitch, like Thiago Silva, and then also uh, in the attacking areas. I think, you know, someone like Ziyech in situations like that, we could have done with him last season. So much personality, uh, willingness to receive the ball um, in, in difficult areas and combine with players, kind of sets the tone in possession in a lot of ways, pops up in all sorts of different areas, not just receiving the ball wide and whipping it into that back post, but also coming inside and combining with players and looking to, to thread passes as well. So I, I think it was great. It was a perfect response, really. I think this this kind of new newish system is is giving us sort of great width. You're seeing James and and Chilwell push up really high and wide. Mount sort of staying a little bit further behind the ball to build the play, and um, obviously uh, Werner and Ziyech adopting very different roles. I think Grant sort of touched on the fact that sometimes Ziyech comes inside and and plays almost. It can sometimes look like he's playing at the tip of a diamond. And, and Werner sort of plays um, a, a lot more narrow, almost like a, a second striker. Uh, we saw that for the final goal, him and Tammy sort of positioned as two two strikers. So no, it, it was a brilliant response. And I think we we just look like we've got uh, the, the identity of the teams growing even more now, uh, game to game. And we're starting to see players emerge as sort of untouchables and also a, a real kind of identity to our play as well, which is really encouraging. Yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of um, some some of these players now emerging as untouchables. I mean, pretty shocking if you'd listened to some of the episodes a few weeks ago. There was still plenty of debate about team selection. Obviously, uh, you've had 
great, uh, you have to give a great deal of credit to Lampard and his team for making players like Tammy um, keep their patience and not and not lose focus because their, their chances did come and, and he has been one of them, one of those players who's taken their chances. But on Ziyech, I mean, uh, Grant obviously mentioned um, the shape and the reaction to the to conceding to McGoldrick, obviously, too. But I wanted to ask you specifically about Ziyech. It seems like his introduction and return from injury has coincided with this surge in form. Six key passes in that, that game against Sheffield United, two assists, I think he was he was absolutely everywhere. I think eighty-two touches in the entire game, and I just think he he had something different. He he's a, he's a bit of a cheat code. He adds the the shortcut to the the intricate movements that Lampard does want to implement. But we've seen with that Chilwell goal against Sheffield United, and I think we saw in pre-season at Brighton the the goal for Verna, that cutting in oh, that sliced ball from the the right the inside right channel. That is going to cause so many problems for opposition this season. And how much of a, an influence do you think he can have on this team over a, a greater sample size? Because obviously it's only a few games. And if he does expand this, I mean, what, what are the limits to this Chelsea side this season? Yeah, I think um, not just with coming back, um, something that we wouldn't have done last season. Also playing against quite a defensive side, setting up in a low block. That's that's probably the biggest improvement that Zirk brings to us because. I think last season or at least in even recent seasons with Sari and so forth, we had a lot of sterile possession. Uh, not that many players capable of playing that killer pass, even with the, you know, with the, the risk of turning the ball over occasionally. It's, it's um, you know, still worth the trade-off. So I think Pat Nevin called him like a mix of Fabregas and Hazard. I mean, I don't see anything to, about him that's like Hazard, but you can see the variety in his game that he can drop deep and play those passes that we We've sort of lacked since Fabregas started getting on and then was offloaded. And then I think there's a lot of matter about him as well, sort of coming in, looking for those balls over the top, um, able to play intricately in tight spaces, but also when the, when a team's chasing a game and there's a lot more space to actually exploit behind, you can hit those passes. So he just brings so much variety to our play. And I think in, I think the team in general has that variety because whatever Ziyech's doing, other players can fill in the shortfalls of skill sets. So if he's dropping deep, you can have James pushing high to provide the width. If he's between the lines, you can have Werner, you know, putting, sort of pinning the defence back. And I think Tammy does that really well. Just, um, you know, giving variety between actually running in behind, showing short, having his back to go. Um, Chilwell can receive quite deep and be really good in the build-up phase. He can also get on the end of crosses, as we've seen. Um, so there's so much variety to the attack at the moment. It's really difficult for any team just to sit in the low block and just shuffle side to side and, you know, watch a circular position without any real penetration. And just one thing I think on that as well with the, you know, with the response is not only would we probably have struggled to break Sheffield United down last season, but we would have been so much more susceptible to counter-attacks. And in this game, especially with Kante in that sixth role, our rest defence is so strong that any time a team breaks, we win it back pretty quickly and we just pin them in it and it becomes so relentless for them to actually defend for that amount of time. And you can see how, how tight Zuma was to Brewster. Brewster played an hour. He touched the ball nine times in the game, in, in, you know, in that game um, that he was on the pitch. And yeah, there were a few fouls, but there's just no way for teams just to pop balls off and actually get in behind us on counter attacks. We we really limited that to very few. So I think that's a huge deal as well. How much better our rest defense is because that's such a big part of attacking. That you you know you see with Liverpool, Van Dijk intercepts so many counter attacks and just teams just are just so relentlessly attacked that even if they are organised. Gaps eventually break up, you know, break 
breaking their shape because of how you know fatigue becomes a factor. So I think that's a huge element in how much better we're attacking as well. Um, so there are yeah there were a lot of good signs even though we we did have a sort of a ten or fifteen minutes fairly sloppy start to the match possibly just after the you know how busy our schedule's been and I think by about the twenty minute mark around the time that Kovacic assisted that goal and started coming to life after him you know he himself had a bit of a slow start I think the the whole team I think from then on pretty much right until maybe the last few minutes we were completely in control. Yeah, I think probably even it could have scored more goals. Yeah, you, you're right about how we how Chelsea are, are so much better at uh, recycling the ball and and sort of extinguishing any any possible counter attacks. That was a was a real concern last year. I think two uh, also the point about Kanto uh, cutting out moves. I think you saw he was almost back to his 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 prime Kanto in terms of influence against Sheffield United. Five tackles, two interceptions, leading both categories, but. You're right about Mason Mount as well. Sort of, the influence is is infectious. It's two tackles, two interceptions for him, and that just sort of underlined the the way that Lampard's got this team playing now. I think the way that he sort of um, he leads the the sort of pressing and packs him and Chilwell on the left. Sometimes it's Werner. I think even Ziyech when he switched flanks um, as a trio, they were they were so good at sort of hassling Sheffield United, and there was absolutely no out ball. Um, Particularly with their their shape, they look to usually get get some movement down the the right flank through through Bulldog, and it just wasn't there because Chelsea was so quick at sort of chucking a blanket on on whoever was um, uh, unfortunate enough to have possession for Sheffield United. Um, Will you you did want to mention a little bit about about the the setup that um, Sheffield United um, came with and and how Chelsea were were able to break them down? Yeah, just briefly, I think. So obviously they played that five three two, and I think at times they, and I think teams are going to have this issue with us this season. And how how do you stop us when we're playing this system and we've got that variation that, that Grant spoke about? I think it's something that you see so much with Liverpool. Uh, There's sort of both fullbacks really high. One delivery comes across. If someone doesn't get on the end of it, it comes back out the other side to to the other fullback, who then puts it into the box. With, uh, so obviously both their fullbacks have got such variety of delivery as well um, and I think it's something uh, Liam Twomey touched on, on on Twitter he sort of said you know on that right hand side it's kind of a case of pick your poison because it's difficult to defend the delivery to the far post coming in from Ziyech and also the delivery on the outside from James and then um, we were also Kovacic was performing a very sort of un-Kovacic like role in that he was making runs sort of in behind so I don't think Sheffield United really set up well to, to cope with that, I, but I'm not really sure there's too much you can do in terms of, uh, you know, building a system to protect against that. Because I think they, with the five three two, it was often when the ball was going out wide to, to James or, or Chilwell or if, or if Ziyech was dropping deep to receive the ball. Um, it was, it was kind of the, one of the strikers would split and make a five four one. Uh but they were, it was too much ground for the for one of the strikers to make up. So I think they would have been better off kind of going with a 3-4-3 uh, or 5-4-1, if you like, and just being set in that shape to, to protect against the wide areas. Because I think we're you're seeing now we're, we're really strong in these wide areas because we're pushing the fullback so high up. And then Mason Mount in build-up is switching the play so quickly. We're kind of drawing teams over to that left-hand side and then we're switching the play really quickly. 
and and then we're overloading that side with with either a combination of, of Ziek and James um, sort of overloading and then a run inside either from Havertz or Kovacic who did it really well in this game. So I think we we're just going to become very hard to to defend against, and I think Sheffield United really struggled to protect the wide areas, um, especially uh, the left wing back. I think it was low who really struggled. Um, he had read, had such a tough time against Rhys James and and Ziyech and, and and also Kovacic running sort of into that uh, channel in between him and the the left centre back. So I think we're we're going to be really difficult to defend against if we if we can keep certain players fit. And yeah, I, I just thought Sheffield United maybe went with the wrong shape. They maybe should have gone more of a five four one, and kind of in in I think they're a little bit worried about protecting. Uh, the sort of free and build up sort of uh, Kante and the two centre-backs but I think they could have just surrendered that and, and protected the wide areas a little bit better Yeah I think you're right about Lowe I thought he was he was a little bit out of out of his depth um, I mean fair to say that Sheffield United missing uh, O'Connell who was a massive part of that team's success last season it meant that Stevens obviously comes a little bit inside and, and therefore they have to play low at that left, left wing back role and I think Chelsea, to their credit, I think you, you have to say that they are exposing teams' uh, weaknesses right now. And I think that is something that good teams do. And I think it, it's promising that, that that they are able to to sort of target these specific areas that um, teams teams struggle to sort of um, cover and, and and deny teams exposing them. So, yeah, that, that is definitely promising. Um, Grant, what what was your impression on um, on Kovacic? Obviously, we've we've seen that um, Kai Havertz obviously out the last couple of games through uh, through COVID. Uh, he he's obviously come in and the the shape has stayed the same. How how think how well do you think he's done in in terms of stabilising his his position in the squad and and more opportunities coming after the international break? Yeah, I thought the first twenty minutes he struggled a lot. Um, he looked rusty. He hasn't played a lot of football lately he's missed out on quite a few squads altogether in the Premier League uh, there are a lot of layoffs sort of from throw-ins and so forth that he was putting wide of his teammates took him a little while to get into it I think his first really good action was the assist which was couldn't have been I don't think I've seen Kovacic hit the byline once since he signed for the club certainly not playing on the right of the trio maybe once or twice on the left he's you know he's maybe linked up with the left winger and got there I don't think he's actually as suitable on the right he just doesn't look as comfortable in protecting the ball and he did swap at times with Mounts between the right and the left, I think more in the second half. I think he did okay. Um, he came off with a, I think with a knock, slight ankle twist possibly in the second half. And you could see when we changed shape a little bit with Jorginho coming on as the six and then Kante moving back to the, you know, the right of the three, that we weren't quite as, as strong defensively. You can see the difference physically and athletically between Kante and Jorginho. So yeah, I mean, I prefer Kovacic playing there than actually switching it around like we did against Ren with Jorginho as the six because I think we keep the balance better and Kovacic I think could be maybe more clever with his movement, you know, coming deep at times to to do what he likes doing best, getting both the defence and then also I think getting used to a different position trying to get into the box because it's just it hasn't been his game and the funny thing is when he plays deep he's really good at beating players, protecting the ball but somehow in the final third he's less confident with that even though he's got the same situation, essentially, with being closed down in a tight space. So I think if he just gets a bit of that confidence that he has in deeper areas, I don't see any reason why we couldn't give him the, you know, him, give him the ball to feet sort of in that inside right position and he could just do what he does in deeper areas. I know obviously in higher up the pitch, there's more pressure, maybe even less time on the ball, but he has got the ability to actually get through those spaces. As I said, he's 
you know, he's definitely a squad player in the shape. Um, even last season when we used this this four three three, he didn't play those early games. Um, it was almost always Barkley and Mount further forward. I think Ruben Loftus cheek once. Uh, he can't really play in the sixth position. He did that um, in a double pivot with Barkley against Barnsley, and we looked pretty wide open. Um, so he's a squad player, and he's a pretty decent squad player to have around. Um, gives us a little bit more balance, you know, if we're having some games where we have to defend slightly more. And I mean, the fact that we've been missing Havertz for two games and not really felt it at all, or Pulisic, who you could probably argue is our best attacking player based on how settled he is in the Premier League and how well he ended last season. I think it's really promising that we can still blitz a couple of teams without having two of those attackers completely and having a relatively shallow bench in terms of game-changing options. Yeah, you're right about Pulisic and Havertz in, in their absence. They weren't, they weren't missed at all. And I think... Pudisic is a little bit of a concern. Obviously, he seems like he's a little bit fragile. I think we sort of um, a bit of deja vu when um, Robin was sort of in his in his prime at Chelsea. He was um, he was started to sort of have these setbacks, and you just hope that Pudisic is able to sort of. I think specifically this this Chelsea team allows him to recover now and take some time, hopefully, because there are other options there. So you would hope that he can really sort of recover now and uh, become a li- little bit more um, durable and, and cope with these, these, um, this, this taxing season, which I think the managers of the last couple, couple of days have made, made no uh, bones about their opinions on the, the schedules too much. The, um, the lack of five substitutions, I'm, I'm not quite in agreement with that particular point, but yeah, the, um, the schedule I think is a bit of a concern. How, how do you think we'll, um, Lampard is, is coping with the, uh, the, the furious nature of it. And, I mean, to throw it forward and sort of wonder a little bit, how, how do you think they can, um, they can use it to their advantage? Because given the topsy-turvy nature of the Premier League this season, Manchester City and Liverpool seem to be a little bit more, I, I don't know, a little bit more fragile. Um, is there the potential for a title challenge this survey? I think we, we, maybe... Getting a little bit carried away, but I, I do think it was a very complete performance against Sheffield United, and it, it was, I think, more of an impressive performance than Burnley, um, just because I think Sheffield United are, are in a bit of a false position in the league. I do think they'll they'll come good and, and be fine, kind of closer to, to mid table than battling relegation. So, and and mainly just because it was, we lost so many points in those situations last season where we got um, either caught out by uh, overcommitting and, and not being balanced, like I said at the start, or just not being able to break deep blocks down. So, you know, you look at that and you think, you know, there's potentially a lot more points in it for us if we can um, turn a lot of those situations last season that cost us points into, into winning points. I think it's, you look at Liverpool and I think, obviously, they're not the same side. They don't look as secure without Van Dijk. But they're still, I mean, that, that, the Man City-Liverpool game, I thought the first half in particular the other day, that you could just see that both of these teams are at such a high level. And it's still a bit early for us to say whether we are going to be anywhere, uh, I think we'll be closer to that, but whether we'll be able to kind of compete with that over the course of the season. But I don't know, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think you're starting to see some real, real good signs for us. But I think with us, uh, it's hugely dependent on how many games we can get from Thiago Silva. Who I think, I think everyone it's clear for everyone to see he's just he's a step up, you know he's he's just absolute class, and he's so important um, because I think the replacements are 
we just don't have a, a profile anywhere near similar to that. I think all of our defenders are kind of a similar profile, all quite quick, comfortable defending in the channels, quite aggressive, but they need someone like him alongside them. And I think the team needs someone like Thiago Silva, who I think organises really well and also makes a huge difference from set pieces. I think the amount of um, the set pieces he clears, even though he's only about six foot, he's just so aggressive, reads where the ball's going to go and, and times everything to perfection. And also Mendy, I think with those are two players that if we can keep them fit and, and play, you know, the vast majority of games or, you know, all the games in Mendy's case, then why not? You know, I think it's going to be one of those seasons where maybe mid 80s, possibly high 80s wins you the title. Um, it's obviously a, a big, a lot of ground for us to make up. But I think with the squad depth in attacking areas, we're going to be fine. I think maybe if everyone stays fit, it's going to be a potential issue kind of keeping everyone happy. I think there's certain players that might not get enough games and seek loan moves in January. But I basically, I think we, it's still early days. Let's see how we get on after the break. And I think, you know, there'll be some, some new question marks there. I think uh, Grant wrote a piece that I saw uh, about Thiago Silva potentially missing that Newcastle game. So that's an issue. But then there's also the, the kind of headache for Frank with Pulisic coming back into the equation, obviously having a, a, a bias for that left-hand side. And Werner's kind of operated quite well from there, even though his general play's been poor. He's been scoring goals and looking dangerous. So there's really, for me, there's, it's like there's three, three sort of key players for, for two spots in, in Tammy, Werner and Pulisic. And, and how he uh, manages that is going to be interesting. I would personally... I think Tammy is so important in this team. I think his hold-up play is, is, is so improved from, from when he first came into the team last season. And also just his, his ability to link the play as well, drop in and, and just do things simple now. He's doing things a lot more simply than he was last season. And Werner's just not quite up to that yet, but he still presents a massive danger from the left-hand side. So I would personally look to kind of rotate Pulisic and, and Werner. I think they're both prone to, to muscle injuries, given how pacey they are. I think Werner's probably shown himself to be a, a quite a lot more durable. He's played a lot of games in the last couple of seasons. But I would, you know, I, I think Pulisic, there's no, there's no reason to rush him back. You can, you can rotate them week to week, at least up until Christmas. I, yeah, that would be, for me, that would the, be the way I'd do it. I, I would, for me, Tammy's only a few really good performances away from making himself potentially an untouchable in this team. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you don't want to get too carried away, but I think you look at look at sort of advanced stats. Um, the XG table last season, I think most um, expected points had Chelsea within one or two points of Liverpool. I mean, you, you take it with a pinch of salt because there's there's underlying um, sort of explana explanations behind why Liverpool perhaps didn't ram home their advantage from an XG perspective last season. But even this season, still. Um, looking really promising from that perspective. Um, I think Understat have Chelsea third in the table, I think slightly behind Spurs and Liverpool. So I think you, you can see a pattern here where when you get, when you get players who perhaps um, are more capable of, of taking their chances on, on, on average, I think Chelsea are going to be absolutely fine. You mentioned Werner. I think when, uh, when you compare what Chelsea have now to what Liverpool have. I think obviously they've been bailed out a little bit by the, the Jota signing, but I just think had it not been for the Jota signing, they would have been in a, a lot of bother because I think Roberto Firmino, while he has proven to be a valuable player for them, 
Um, certainly in the past, I think not signing Timo Werner was a big mistake. I think Werner, as somebody who can, just in, produ- in terms of production, he would have taken the burden off Salah and Mane so much better than Firmino has for the last more, more than a year. I think he's, he's a bit of an anchor on that team in terms of his production. And they've obviously been fortunate by the, the immediate impact of Jota. But Werner now, I mean, we've both said that, we've all said that his overall play is still a little bit sporadic, but in 12 games in all competitions now, it's eight goals, three assists. And he really does seem like he's a, he's a really dependable source of goals for this team, which obviously helps the likes of Pulisic um, Havertz when he's back. I mean, Ziyech, I mean, Mason Mount is going to be a steady double-digit supply of goals as well. So how, how do you see see that sort of um, production, in Grant? Because it makes it a lot easier for Lampard to sort of scheme up the, the defensive aspect of the game and knowing that he, he will get several goals, arguably each game, depending on, on where the chances fall. Yeah, I think the squad management is quite a big one for Lampard. It's a small gripe from this game, but you know, we as soon as we wrapped up this game with the fourth goal, I thought he should probably have got the subs on immediately, and we only made two subs in the game, so there was no minutes for Hudson Odoi, which I think is um, important because he he will have a role to play with the fixture list, and you want to keep him happy and on board and sharp, and I think it's a missed opportunity not to give him at least you know the last five or six minutes just to keep him involved. Um, and Giroud obviously did get some minutes, which was interesting, seeing that um, he came on. And Werner didn't go off and Abraham stayed on, which um, was quite smart to keep some height on the pitch just to make sure we didn't concede any from set players. Um, Tammy just like sort of playing off the right a bit. Um, and the schedule now gets kind of crazy because, you know, there's no internationals. So it's just um, it's pretty much two games a week, I think, until late December now. I think there's a full week of training just before Boxing Day. Um, so now I think it's going to be really much more difficult for Lampard to balance the squad out. I mean, the one, probably one of the, the most the things that, that gives me the most optimism is um, after last season, all my complaints about the muscle injuries and the lack of sort of periodization planning and overtraining some players and, you know, Kante being injured constantly and, you know, Rudiger having knocks after he came back from his knee injury, especially the older players, I felt like maybe weren't getting um, the right, maybe just training too much with Lampard's sort of fitness heavy approach. But he's been speaking a lot that, um, with Kante this season, he's changed his training a bit. He's managing his training load a bit more, making sure he can actually get on the pitch for matches. You know, I think also he said that about Thiago Silva, that they've been very open about how much training he needs to do, how much recovery he needs. And obviously that's a given with a 36-year-old, so you can't give him too much credit on that front. But with, I think with Kante, it's really promising because he's played throughout the season so far. He was obviously rested for, for Krasnodar, but he's pretty much been playing every game besides that. I think that's also an admission from his side that he did get it wrong last season, that if, he, if he's now managing Kante and he's playing all these games, that he wasn't doing that enough last season. So I think that's a very promising sign for our, for our management of the squad. Yeah, and obviously with Thiago Silva, just to elaborate, yeah, he's playing for Brazil in the early hours of Wednesday um, away at Uruguay. So I can't see him playing that Newcastle early kickoff, which is a, a massive disappointment because, I mean, just from, as a fan, it's, he's amazing to watch he's a, such an enjoyable player to actually watch play football it just his defending is just so classy and clean and unflustered and it's just I don't see any way you can play that game considering you missed the, the Southampton match after the last international break and that was a home game slightly later kickoff as well so but I think he'll be missing so I think this is a massive test for us if we can win that early kickoff at Newcastle ahead of playing Spurs and Leeds at home then I think yeah maybe we can be 
right up there in the title challenge. Yeah, I think we we just need to, like I said, those individ those important players at the sort of back end of the pitch. I think if we can we can keep them fit and and playing the vast majority of games, and when they're out, kind of get get away with it. Then there's no reason why we can't we can't push. But you know, keeping your key players fit is just so important. It, it can decide a title. I think we. We've had titles down the years that we've we've missed out on, and and a lot of that's been to do with the injuries to key players. I always think back to that Mourinho season when we were short at centre back, and we you know we we ended up playing Ferreira and Essien at centre back, and not only did that cause problems because we were missing centre backs, but it took Essien out of the midfield, so you end up with with issues. I think I think with Thiago Silva, I'm, I I do think with Rudiger and also. Tamori, we, we, we've got good players there that can step in and we can kind of get away with it on the odd occasion. But you're right, that is going to be a big test. Newcastle, I think that would be a massive three points to, to get away from home against a side that I could see being a danger from set pieces. Um, I think we're going to need Mendy to really step up there and, and you know, provide some sort of big moments. But yeah, I, I agree. I think I'm, I'm hugely encouraged, not only by some of the quotes coming out about Kante and, and sort of reserving, just, you know, tapering his, his training a little bit, just going game to game and letting him rest. And also the switch of position, I think is obviously going to help uh, conserve him a little bit. It's, it's, it's a different role. He's moving laterally more as, as opposed to kind of pressing and trying to win the ball high up. So, yeah, I think Mendy, Kante... And Thiago Silva are probably our most important players this season, just because, you know, we've, we've got some standout players up front, you know, Ziyech, uh, Pulisic. But, but there's so many options that I think we can kind of get away with it at the top end of the pitch. But those three guys, you know, the, the guys in the defensive phase, I think whether we can mount a title challenge is, is uh, hugely dependent on, on their fitness and, and how many games they can play. Yeah, it does seem like Thiago is, is feeling the... Um the transition from, from Liga into the Premier League, quite whether you, you buy into these these quotes or not. But after my last two games, I've had a terrible headache because of the non-stop aerial duels and the very high pace of play. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's definitely um, shown on the pitch that he can, he can cope. But like you said, with the, um, the fatigue with his age, um, Grant's obviously already outlined that pretty well. It's going to be a managing act this season and, and how well he goes is how well Chelsea will probably go, I think, no matter how, how much the, the attack clicks. Um, you obviously mentioned the Newcastle game, but then there's Wren away in the, in the Champions League. Is it, is it fair to say that those two games, you, you manage them and then you obviously have Tottenham at home, which is obviously going to be a massive game, always is, and then Sevilla away. Those are the real two big games of the season now, aren't they, Grant? And, and that is the, the meat of the season. And that will tell us exactly pretty much how, how far this Chelsea team will go. Yeah, that does seem that way. And I think Wren might be one of the games where we have to take a few slight um, chances with our team selection. You know, you can think maybe someone like Giroud will start that game with it being in France. And just um, he obviously does need to be kept involved if he's going to stay beyond January. And... He's the perfect player to step in for that sort of game. So yeah, I think you can you will see more clearly now how Lampard manages that manages the squad. Obviously, with the five subs in the Champions League, if we can qualify um, by beating Ren, um, then hopefully we can get that Krasnodar home game to be a game where we can rotate some players. But it does look like the actual top spot in this group will go down right down to the to the last game week, and obviously we're probably going to need to go to Sevilla and 
at least avoid defeats and and then it, I think it will come down to to goal difference and so forth and also what their result is when they play Ren. Um, yeah, so and on the Tiago, um, just to clarify my my figures earlier, so you know Tiago's uh, playing um, away with Brazil and the Newcastle game is 84 hours up to full time, and I mean the Southampton game was 85 hours, so it's a similar time frame. It's not as if we're playing Sunday afternoon, and um, obviously we played Southampton at home and Newcastle away, which means there's a flight involved. So I have to, I think I'm going to just assume that he will he'll be missing for that match. Um, I wouldn't actually mind Lampard just um, you know telling some lies in the press about that because you know I'm all it's it's great that he's you know he's transparent and um, you know he tells everyone when Thiago Silva's getting rested and and whatnot. But he's obviously not on Ancelotti's level where Ancelotti was announcing the full starting eleven on a Friday. But I think it's sometimes worthwhile to just say you know Thiago Silva will be playing and he's fit and then you actually have no intention of using him just to you know not have teams sort of start to watch Rudiger and or one of our other centre backs and find some weaknesses. Yeah, you can get the lineup before a game and get a bit of a boost if you see Thiago and Silva missing, but at least you haven't formulated a, an actual game plan to exploit his replacement. Um, yeah, so I think we'll, we'll see in coming weeks pretty pretty quickly if we are title challengers. Obviously, the Premier League's uh, the way it's thrown up fixture matchups. I think it's uh, I think Leicester are playing City next week, is it? Or it's, um, I, might, I might be wrong on that, but yeah, there are a couple of matchups. I think it's uh, Spurs as well playing um, playing. Gaming us another title challenger, so I think if we can beat Newcastle, we'll be pretty close to the top of the log, and then um, the other teams will drop points because they're facing each other, and then I think you get a nice picture of where we where where we really are as a team in terms of a title challenge. Yeah, you're right about the fixtures: Liverpool hosting Leicester, Tottenham hosting Manchester City. So yeah, a win against Newcastle really is like a sneaky important game for Chelsea because those teams will all drop points. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how how they manage that. And then obviously the home game against Tottenham the week after. So yeah, pretty furious schedule on the on the horizon after the international break. And we'll be here to uh, to break it down and uh, look back at all the, all the games coming up. Hopefully next week we'll have a special guest too. So look out for that. If you want to support the show, you can do on, on Twitter. Follow us at PalpablePod. And any reviews on Spotify and iTunes do help spread the word to other Chelsea fans around the world. So thanks for listening again and we'll be back next week.